It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. Hi, I'm Stacy Farquharson. And I'm Stacey Trasenkos. Thank you for joining us on Friday of the first week of Advent. This is December 2nd. This is the Stacy and Stacy podcast. You can subscribe and get notifications to listen to our episodes each morning at 8 a.m. Texas time, Central time. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and a whole bunch of other um platforms that distribute podcasts. So wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Stacy and Stacy. And um, yes. with our our episodes each morning, what we've been doing, you know, when we started this podcast last April. Um, we, we only did one episode a week in season one for 12 weeks. We're now doing them five days a week, um, which we didn't think we could do, but we are. And uh, <laughs> loving it because every morning we get up and Stacy does her part with scripture and c- reviews uh, whatever jumps out at her for the scripture <laughs> that day. <laughs> really demonstrating to us how to let God speak to you through the scripture. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and listen to Christ. And then we've taken to just going through the catechism because of feedback from uh, other people that you that we heard from at our retreats and and from the podcast that there's so many people who are like us getting on in the years, you know, we're in our fifties and have (laughs) never read through the whole catechism, just taking it, the church teaching a little bit at a time. So I don't know if we'll ever make it all the way to the end, but, Every day there is just some new rich treasure to discover. And the whole point of scripture and tradition is not just so you can scratch your beard. Not that we have beards, but (laughs) the whole point is that so we can just scratch our beard and our itchy sweaters and be all smart and stuff. The point is to live our lives, to live a good life and um, navigate this life of faith and get our people to heaven. So um, that we really try to bring the realness to it. Anyway, thank you for being here with us today. Our lesson in the catechism coming up is section 150 through 152 paragraph. I don't know what those are called. Numbers 150 to 152. It's on page 40 and 41 of the USCCB copy of the catechism, which we link to in the show notes. And we'll be talking about what it means to have belief in God alone. Mm-hmm. Belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Belief in the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Before mm-hmm. that, though, Stacy's going to start us off with prayer and scripture. I have my coffee. Thank you, <laughs> Stacy, for all the ready? wonderful things you're about to tell us. Ready to go. All right. Ready. <laughs> well, let's say our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, let your scriptures be our chaste delight. Perfect us and reveal the pages to us. Your voice is our joy. Your joy is our strength. May the inner secrets of your words be laid open to us when we knock. In you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Please, Lord, give us 
eyes to see you and ears to hear you. Mother Mary, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And like we said, Stacy's got her coffee. If you want tea, grab tea, grab your water, grab your coffee and your Bible and spend some time with the Lord today. So today we are um, the responsorial Psalm, Psalm 27. Oh my goodness. You guys are going to love this one. It is beautiful. It's got some great scriptures in here. I just, some of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible are in this Psalm. So I'm going to read it to you and then we're going to talk about just a few of the scriptures. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh and my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord that will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he shall hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices and shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Okay. So much goodness in these 14 verses. So be sure and read them for yourself again and pray before you read them and ask the Lord to speak to you. So in verse one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If God is for me, what can man do to me? When we are afraid, instead of worrying about what we can do, we can thank God for what he is able to do. God is our salvation, which is our deliverance. He is our deliverer. God is able when we are not, and God can when we can't. Okay, verse three, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, I will be confident. David chooses not to fear. He says, I will be confident and not fear. He turns to God when he's faced with challenges. I love David. He's one of my favorite people in the Bible. I love how David hit his knees when his baby was sick. I love how he danced unashamedly when the Ark of the Covenant was brought into his town. He would ask the Lord each time they went out to battle for a battle strategy and his men would follow him into battle because they knew that he had inquired of the Lord before he ever thought about marching on that battlefield. He drew near to God in good times and in bad, and he trusted God to deliver him. Verse four, 
one thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing that jumped out at me. One thing. What's the one thing he asked for? His priority, his main request was that he live in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. He was certainly a man after God's own heart. He knew if he draw close to God, he knew if he was close to God, that he would be safe. I was reminded of another person who chose the one thing that would not be taken from her. And that was Mary of Bethany, Martha's sister. She's like the one um, who sat at Jesus's feet. She longed to be close to him. And she too, like David, when David danced unashamedly, Mary outwardly, unashamedly expressed her love for Jesus by anointing him with oil. Okay, verse five, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. God was his shelter. God is our shelter. God was his refuge, his strong tower. He could run into it, him and be safe. Us too. He says here, God will conceal me. He's not saying, oh, Lord, I hope I hope you hide me. No, he had such confidence in God. David had a relationship with God that we don't see elsewhere. I mean, he had that kind of relationship that said, I don't need the world's provision. Saul, you keep your armor. I just need my God and I can go out and slay this Philistine giant. David had such confidence in God. And verse eight, this is one of my all time favorite verses. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. I know you love that scripture too. Your face, Lord, I will seek. So many times I asked my teenager, hey, you want to watch a movie together? No. <laughs> or hey, you want to hang out today? No. But when God invites David to draw near, to seek his face, David says, yes, Lord, I will. And I know that pleases the Lord. I know how bad I want to hang out with my teenager. She's always got something to do. David doesn't put God off. David's like, yes, Lord, your face I will seek. David writes in Psalm 63, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. And in Psalm 14, it says, the Lord looks down from heaven on humankind to see if there are any who are wise, who seek after God. It is wise to seek the Lord. He alone protects us and saves us. We are to seek the face of God. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Pray and ask the Lord how he wants you to seek him, whether it be a Bible study, um, set aside a, a time during the day to pray, um, to do a rosary, scripture, read scripture, Whatever it looks like to you, it's just important that you do it, that you find that time to seek the Lord. Remember, 21 days establishes a habit, but be flexible. A tree that doesn't bend breaks. You don't want to be so rigid in your routine that if something comes up and something's going to come up, that you can't get back into your routine. So, but you don't want to be so flexible that you can't be consistent. So, so pray about it and see what works best for you. It looks different for everybody and it's okay. All right, here is another one of my all-time favorite verses. I would have lost heart 
unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Oh, this one is special to me. I would have lost heart. I would have given up. I'd have thrown in the towel. I'd have called it quits had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of my living. I've, I, there's a, another scripture that says, um, God's mercies new every morning. And there were so many times I would just be at my just a very low point. And I would just think if I can make it to the morning, God's mercies new every morning. I mean, I've hit some pretty hard walls and wallered in some muck and mire and just, you know, in those moments when your soul beat down and your head is so low, all you can see are your stuck feet. <laughs> you just don't see a way out. It was in those times, those situations that I learned that even though I don't see the end from the beginning, God does. And I say that all the time because I remember learning that lesson. He holds my tomorrow. He knows the next step that I need to take to get me closer to freedom. And if I let him direct my steps, he knows where to lead me. No matter how big a mess I get myself into, and I'm pretty good at doing that. I don't, and, not, and I'm not saying I don't worry or I, I don't fret. I mean, I, I do. But time and time again, when I didn't think there was any way possible, when I didn't see a way out, he made a way. He brought me through. And, and even if things didn't turn out, and sometimes they didn't turn out exactly like I wanted them to, I was still able to see his goodness in the land of the living. Okay, the last verse. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This verse says to be strong and let your heart take courage. It's hard to be strong when you're shaken from head to toe. I remember a time... I was standing next to my daughter's hospital bed, trying to be as calm as possible, was trying to do a good job. And I was from the waist up. But all of a sudden she said, Mom, you're shaking my bed. And I realized that from the waist down, my hips and my knees were shaking. I was trying to be calm and, and act like, you know, I wasn't worried. But this is when we found out that she had a blood disorder where her blood wouldn't clot. And she actually had three surgeries in 12 hours to stop the bleeding and and they, you know, it was scary. They were trying to find blood, but she had an antibodies that was making the match very difficult. And we were actually in the Fort Worth area and they had finally found some in North Dallas and was able to bring it over. But just before they were taking her to ICU to put her on uh, oxygen, the blood arrived and they were able to, to give it to her. But be strong and let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. I felt like I was walking that out that day. I had to keep trusting God. Every time they told me, we can't find the blood. We can't find any blood. There's just not a match. I just kept praying. And I actually remember sending out a text to my friends asking for prayer. I remember saying, there's life in the blood and we need it right now. And all of a sudden, my phone just started dinging where people were sharing that message and people were praying and that's when that's when they came in and said, we found it. So God did answer our prayer. And sometimes when we can't see the answer, we can't see uh, what God is doing. It reminds me of the story in Daniel when Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days, three weeks. And the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Daniel, from the moment you started praying, I was on my way, but I got hung up fighting the war, fighting this battle in the heavenlies, fighting behind the scenes, doing what you can't see. You know, I'm always encouraged to know that from the moment he started praying, even though it took three weeks, 
the answer was on its way. And I know it's hard to be brave when everything inside you is panicking. I know that. But hang in there and take courage because we don't know what it takes to get the answer to us. We don't know what God is doing in order to bring that answer to us. But God is with you. The Lord is your God. He is with you wherever you go. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. Just wait on the Lord. Don't give up because God's not going to give up on you. But, but, but I'm impatient. I know. I know. But, <laughs> but, but, but I want but. it now, Lord. <laughs> I want it now. I know. I know. I, I know. really like I, I'm still kind of going through the phase of grief. I, I guess I've taken to calling mad faith. Mm. I honestly am mad at God, but I still say that with love in my heart. I'm not doubting God. I'm not. Um, and I, I'm not going to disbelieve. I'm not going to stomp off and leave the Catholic church or become an atheist or anything like that. But in my relationship with learning to trust God and let go, I mean, this, I do not. And I think I may never understand why my grandson Amias had to die. You know, there's, there were so many people praying for him. Yeah. And it's, it's really been one lesson for me in, in trying to be more like Mary and trying to have trying to be at that peaceful place in the land of the living. Because if I believe my faith, if I really believe the things the church teaches me, even when a baby dies, that doesn't mean it's the end. There is no death. It's, it's death of leaving this life and entering the next life. And, and we did our duty here. We had him baptized. We loved him. We gave him all the medical care that, that we could get. Um, and, and I, I can't just despair because, I mean, I think for me to fall into despair right now would mean that I didn't really believe in heaven mm. and really believe in God's plan. So although I'm mad, I still have faith. And I don't know if I'll ever understand why that happened, but it did. And there's there's a reason for it. And uh it's how so it's just a big lesson of how how so many things go in our life. I still feel the love of God. I still feel love for my my daughter, of course. And um and we'll see where this goes, but I I this is kind of how I pray now. God, I'm not even going to have a prayer and ask you for anything cuz you're going to do what you want to do anyway. <laughs> mm. I just pray for the grace to do your will. Like just don't let me get in the way. Give me the grace to endure whatever you send my way. And in my mad faith right now, I'm not even asking God for things. And I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm saying that's where I am right now. Yeah, I have this feeling like I, love you. I, say, God, I, I want you to do this. It, it may not happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even going to ask for it. Right. I, I love how brutally honest you are. And, and you know, I mean, you, you know, we've talked about before how you and I, Stacey, have talked about how as Protestants, you know, death it seems more final mm-hmm. than as a Catholic. It just it seems more um, like you said, that transition. Mm-hmm. And we pray because because we can we can pray to saints. We can pray to our, our mother, yeah. Mary. We have our guardian angels. We you know, it's 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 more alive to us. Yeah. And I've heard you pray you know, for St. Amias to, to pray for you and for your daughter. And I just think that it is different now as a Catholic than it, it was as a Protestant. It is the land of the living. And, and we do, 
we're encouraged not to just dismiss people who die as well. They've gone on to heaven. They're, they're angels now. They're not angels. They're, they're never, we don't ever become angels. (laughs) (laughs) Technicality, but, but, but we're encouraged to do the hard work of continuing to love these people who die. We pray for the people in purgatory. We pray, ask the saints who we know are in heaven to help us. Like we continue to have a relationship. Yes, and yes. It would be so easy just to write those people off as dead and gone, but they're not dead and gone. We just can't touch them in this world anymore. Right. As much as I would love to be holding my grandson, we're not doing that, but he still lives. Yeah. So it is, it is a hard thing to get your head around. And I think it fits to move on into the catechism. It fits with what we're covering in the next lesson today. So we're on page 40 and 41. The link is in the show notes. Um, Numbers, paragraph numbers 150 through 152. And in this part, so the catechism here is telling us what it means to believe. We talked about Abraham. We talked about the Virgin Mary as the purest realization of faith. The next part of the catechism, the characteristics of or yeah, no, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. Mm-hmm. It's asking us whether we believe in God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. Cause you need to know what you believe in. We'll never fully understand God, but we can still know that God exists and we can know that God, we can believe that God is the Holy Trinity because Christ revealed that to us. Um, We can know God exists through reason. We can know about the Holy Trinity because Christ told us. And so that's faith. We accept his testimony. But what does it mean to believe in the Holy Trinity? And this is something I asked the college students at Notre Dame when I was giving my talk in their science department last week. You know, I said, we get all academic in philosophy and theology and even in science we get all academic and thinking about these abstract thoughts but and i was talking to them college students about five miscarriages i had but i looked at them and i said that was when i realized if i was going to keep loving my miscarried babies that was very intimately tied to my ability to love god the father god the son god the holy spirit not just as some abstract intellectual exercise but love god and I looked at them and I'm like, do you love God? That's what you have to answer. You, you can do the intellectual work, but it comes down to then, do you do choose to love? Do you really know what that means? And, and it starts with faith. You have to believe in someone to, to know them better so that you can love them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what does the catechism say? <laughs> to believe in God alone. Faith is, first of all, a personal adherence of man to God. At the same time, and inseparably, it is a free assent to the whole truth that God has revealed. So that, that's what I was talking about before with my mad faith. Free assent to the whole truth. I freely grant assent. You know, we, we have that freedom in our own interiority. I say, I believe I grant assent to the truths of faith. I believe what God told us. I believe it. Um, belief and knowledge are two different ways of, of acquiring something mentally. So knowledge is not belief. This is something um, I find people don't really understand. Knowledge is what I do in science. I can, I can go measure out the ingredients to make spaghetti sauce 
and I can see and taste and touch and smell the results. I know what my spaghetti sauce tastes like because I made it and I can taste it. If I see a car accident, the insurance adjuster asks me, what, what do you know happened? I have my story, my testimony, because I saw it with my own eyes. I was there. The insurance adjuster is accepting my testimony. He's, he's placing a belief in me because he's got to decide whether I'm credible witness or not. And, and that, and that's what faith is. So faith is, the substance of things unseen faith is when we when we believe something on the testimony of someone else and in this case we're believing god which is the most reasonable being to believe in of, of anything and we believe in the words of christ we believe in christ we're not just believing in something we're believing in someone and that's what faith is so that full assent to the whole truth um as personal adherence to God and assent to his truth, Christian faith differs from our faith in any human person. This is the catechism. Differs from our faith in any human person. It is right and just to entrust oneself wholly to God and to believe absolutely what he says. It would be futile and false to place such faith in a creature. Mm-hmm. In a creature. So that is something to think about. You know, when we're, if you have a little kid, like my little two-year-old granddaughter, she very reasonably for her age and the amount of knowledge she has. So she's only two. She hasn't, she doesn't have firsthand knowledge of a lot of things. If I say to her, Evelyn, don't run into the street. She will accept my instructions on faith because she knows that she she does she may not know why she didn't even know what she doesn't know she doesn't even know why she shouldn't run in the street but if if Meemaw tells her don't run in the street she trusts me because we have a relationship and I tell her good things I have her best interest at heart and she'll listen to me and we would say that's perfectly reasonable for a two year old to grant assent of faith to Meemaw because <laughs> Meemaw is going to tell you good things. And until she gets old enough to understand why you don't run in front of cars, that it's dangerous, it'll hurt you. She'll believe me until then. But if you move that analogy up to us grown and as smart as we may be, the smartest person who ever lived, the gap between a two-year-old and a Meemaw is Nothing compared to the gap between the smartest human person and God. So if it's reasonable for a two-year-old to listen to a grandmother, how much more reasonable is it even for the smartest among us to grant intellectual assent of faith to God, the creator and redeemer of everything? So it's reasonable. Faith is reasonable. It would be futile to place that kind of faith in another person, though. We we can decide who who to believe and not to believe, but absolutely we should believe God. And, and when the church talks about the certainty of faith, me as a scientist, I'm like, uh, uh-uh, if I want to be sure about something, I need firsthand knowledge of it. I need to see it with my own eyes. No, actually, the church says that you cannot not know something today, and you can go out and learn it tomorrow. Knowledge is fluid. You can't say. I believe in God today, but I might not believe in him tomorrow because then you don't really believe at all. Mm-hmm. It is not fluid. You either do or you don't. You either say yes, fiat like Mary, or you don't. And that's what I was talking to the college kids about. You do or you don't. Are mm-hmm. you in? Do you love God? 
Do you have faith in God? So that, so God, and then the next part of the catechism says to believe in Jesus Christ, the son of God, second person of the Holy Trinity incarnate for a Christian believing in God cannot be separated from believing in the one he sent his beloved son in whom the father is well pleased. God tells us to listen to him. See, that's believe him, listen to him, do what he says. The Lord himself said to his disciples, believe in God, believe also in me. That's one of the proof texts for the Holy Trinity. We can believe in Jesus Christ because he is himself God, the word, capital W word, made flesh. No one has ever seen God, the only son who is in the bosom of the father. He has made him known. And that comes from John 1, uh, 18. Because he has seen the Father, Jesus Christ is the only one who knows him and can reveal him. So these, I said proof texts, when I took the class on the one and triune God, um, they taught us we wouldn't have reasoned the Holy Trinity. You couldn't know that from reason alone. It had to be revealed. How was it revealed? Jesus Christ told us. It's The proof texts are in the prefigurations in the Old Testament and in the Gospels where Jesus tells us that he is the beloved son of God, the father. Um, and so that's how we know. So the last one is belief in the Holy spirit. So believe in God, the Holy Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. We sometimes forget about the Holy spirit. Um, one cannot believe in Jesus Christ without sharing in his spirit. It is the Holy spirit who reveals to men who Jesus is for. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy spirit. So that that's kind of what I was talking about to the college kids. You you can intellectually say you you believe something, but you to share in you've got to share in the spirit. You've got to also take that leap of love. The Holy Spirit who searches everything, even in the depths of God. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Only God knows God completely. Mm. We very simple there. We believe in the Holy Spirit because He is God. And then the last thing it says here. The church never ceases to proclaim her faith in the one, only God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we'll get into the Trinity later. It's a beautiful teaching. But when we say we have faith in God, it is faith in the three persons of the Holy Trinity. And there's a bunch to mine just in each one of those. So that's the catechism lesson for the day. Love it. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So much to learn there. Mm -hmm. Well, it's Friday and um, we're going to log off for the weekend. We'll be back. We're sorry we took a break last week. We were just dead tired getting ready for Thanksgiving and after <laughs> our trip and I got sick. So um, we won't do that very often, but um, we needed to last week because we're a two woman show here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. And we, we, we're out of school. So there was a lot going on last yeah, week. Yeah, the kids are out of school. Yes, that. All right. Well, you have a beautiful weekend. Um, and I'll be talking to you later, Stacy. Yes. And we will see you on Monday. God bless. I'm Stacy Tresenkos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information.